totally forgot what time we had this scheduled for. I was thinking uh, like later uh, this morning, just I later. I had it in my calendar. I had it in my calendar. Uh, 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 welcome to In My Happy Place. What the hell is our topic today? <laughs> um. Well, if you don't know what our topic is, Liz, Queen well, of I would know, but someone didn't fix up the spreadsheet properly. So Sorry. now it is most, most egregiously confusing to me. <laughs> also, I might be speaking a little off today because I have been listening to Sense and Sensibility, the audiobook, oh, no. and I may be sprinkling in some, you know, Jane Austen type verbiage. Verbiage? Verbiage. Sense and Sensibility. Sense and Sensibility. That's the one with Marianne Dashwood and Severus Snape, right? Yes, exactly. That shit is so good. It's just so shocking to read, to, well, read, in quotations, read a book mm-hmm. that was written so long ago, yet you're still like, mm-hmm. everything about that is still pretty, um, yep. Yeah, I can relate to all that. Everyone needs to get on the Jane Austen train right now. Well, Jane Austen was writing about women and their emotional lives as and how they were shitty and how shitty certain men are. Like super, like super relatable. Mm-hmm. Super relatable. I was like, yep, yep. I've experienced that, like pretty much that entire scenario, like three times in my life. <laughs> and then also really good men who are like really, really good and honorable. Yeah. For you, your fiance, Andrew, is Colonel Brandon. Yeah. Mixed. Mixed. He's a mix of Colonel Brandon and who else? He's very Fitzwilliam Darcy from Pride and Prejudice. Oh my God. Yes. He is so, because, you know, he's kind of, he's kind of a dick sometimes. And you're just like, <laughs> are you aware of what a dick you appear to be? Uh, he's he's all like, and then he's just like, I love you most ardently. And I'm like, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) He's very, he's very, yeah. Colonel Brandon mixed with, with William Darcy. And I think I'm very Marianne Dashwood mixed with now that I've grown older. I don't know who else I'm mixed with. I mean, I could see you as Elizabeth Bennett. Yeah. I'm feisty. I like to I like to walk. I like to walk in a most unladylike mileage. And I like I also like to be all like, oh, is that what you fucking think of me? We are fucking tool, but like in Jane Austen language. Speaking of Jane Austen, I believe our topic today actually, Elizabeth, is know thyself, which fits in perfectly with the discussion of Jane Austen. And sense and sensibility specifically, mm-hmm. because yeah, it's no very much like, oh, like I really learned sense and also to have more <laughs> sensibility. <laughs> yeah, those books are very educational. <laughs> they really are. It's like, oh, everyone needs to get on that train. All of it is very relatable. The author... The author, Willa Cother, who wrote My Antonia, uh, she said that there are really only seven different stories in human civilization, and we just That's keep true. living them. And we just keep living them yeah. as though we're living them for the first time. But I yeah, mean, they're really but then the characters, but the characters are what make it. Okay, so knowing thyself. Well, there are a lot of ways to know thyself. And I'm going to tell you this. Um, there are a lot of different personality type schools of thought. Uh, a lot of people know about the Myers-Briggs test. A lot of people know about Myers-Briggs. Myers-Briggs. Uh, lots of people are familiar with the Myers-Briggs test. Um, obviously, you and I have talked a lot about uh astrology mm-hmm. and for me like i i just i don't understand the way other people think sometimes and i think if i had not been introduced to different 
theories of personality, I would be very confused about why people act the way they act and why Agree. people act so differently from me. Like, Agree. Yes. Like growing up, you and I were so completely different. And I was just like, Lizzie's being a pain in the butt because I didn't understand how you were different from me and how you had different needs and different values and understanding things like Myers-Briggs and the Enneagram and even to an extent astrology has really helped me understand how you think differently and why. I like how we throw we throw astrology in there and also like you know the scientifically proven astrology. Well, it's not so much, and we talked about this before, it's not so much that I believe astrology determines your destiny or who you are, but if if you identify with it and it works for you as a way of explaining why you're different, then then that works for me too. It's like, you- unless you use it as a crutch, as I sometimes do with my Virgo-ness. I don't know if I use it as a crutch <laughs> and I'm like doing a self-fulfilling prophecy or if I'm just like, yep, that's pretty accurate. <laughs> I don't, I really don't know anymore. Well, I mean, it's still a mystery. Like I, you and I, we're raised by the same people in very similar circumstances. And yet you and I are so completely different. So I don't. I mean, we're different like Niles and Frazier from Frazier. We're different. (laughs) We're not, we have like all the same aesthetic tastes. The only difference really is that you like the tropics and you like hot things and weather. And I like the cold. No, you and I are so different way beyond that. Like we have similar interests. We're both talking about Jane Austen. Mm-hmm. We're both performers. We have mm-hmm. this podcast together, but our We both tend towards the uh we both tend towards a fetishization of the finer things of life. Sure. Um well, I don't, I think even there. Oh, you don't bullshit me with your talk about coffee and cheese and wine. Don't be all like, actually. actually no, you're right. No. You're right. Okay. Okay. You're right. You're absolutely right. <laughs> but I mean, it's not. Okay. So I think where we really differ is our approaches to things. Yes, like you and I, that's what it is. Yeah. You and I might both want the same exact thing. Like we'd both want, let's say, um, Oh, I don't know. A house in Vermont. That's one of the places where you and I both can agree. We both loved Vermont mm-hmm. uh, and we both would love to have a country home in Vermont. Vermont, where peace and quiet go to find peace and quiet. That's the best tagline ever. That is, it might as well just be called Elizabethville. <laughs> That's what I want so badly. Right. So we both might agree that we would love a country home in Vermont, but we'd have very different approaches for how to get it and even why to get it. Like you just said, you love it because it's where peace and quiet go to get some peace and quiet. And for me, I'm actually not really attracted to the peace and quiet aspect of it. I'm more attracted to... um, I mean, the fact that it's just so different from anything that I grew up with. So it seems very exotic and new. I'm very attracted to um, all of the, <laughs> like the cheese and the. <laughs> it's I, just, just the cheese. Let's the all cheese. be real, everyone. It's just the cheese. It's just an amazing cheese. cheese factory we went to when we were there. It wasn't really. What was it? It was, was that- um, it was like a Cabot farm. Cabot. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm actually not even. I was in like my you. heaven. Yes. I was in my heaven. I was like with the free samples of the cheese before quarantine. I you know have when, free samples and <laughs> when it all goes back to normal again, you can all go to Cabot Farms outside of Burlington in Vermont. Mm, yes, <clears throat> you it was get all kinds of cheese and chocolate. All cheese. Well, that was a different. Well, was that part of the same thing? Whatever. Like, they had cheese. Yeah. They had chocolate. What 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 more could you want? I mean, except for, you know, if you were lactose intolerant. What I loved about Vermont, for example, was not so much the peace and quiet part of it. It was 
it was actually, it was the beauty of nature. The older I get, I, I just don't feel the desire to force the narrative on my life and who I want, who I feel I, I want to be and what I feel like I should or shouldn't like. I'm starting to just realize that I love being a 30-something girl grandma. <laughs> and I love listening to my 1950s music. I don't give a fuck. And I love I love just reading things about baking and watching baking shows and petting my cat. And yesterday I arranged roses. And then I went to go play the piano forte, mm-hmm. a little Bach. And I'm like, you know, I've given up being cool. I've given up the desire to be a badass, cool person and just become grandma. But but not even as cool as our grandma, because whenever I would play 1950s music, grandma would be like, can we please turn that off? It's very irritating. <laughs> <laughs> grandma didn't like my 1950s music. Can I just say, I want to clarify for the nice people at home, um, Elizabeth is not a 30-something-year-old grandmother. She doesn't have grandchildren or even regular children. She she means she's, you mean that you're a 30-something-year-old who acts like she's an 80-something-year-old. Yes, from the 1800s. <laughs> and she's a grandmother uh, for Jane Austen. She's a Jane Austen <laughs> grandmother Austin style grandmother you're Maggie Smith sure I just like I wish I were as badass as Maggie Smith like especially in Downton Abbey when she just like tells people off god if only I could be that so we're going to talk about how you know yourself and there are many different tools out there I think that will help you and as someone who studies psychology and philosophy. I mean, we both do, even though that's not what you went to school for, Liz, like you're very invested in knowing more about yourself um, and listening to Brene Brown, getting to the bottom Mm -hmm. of us. Uh, I mean, there's, there's many different tools. And I think for me, one of the tools that has probably helped me the most to understand why I am the way that I am and what I do and why I do it and help me understand why other people act so differently from the way that I act or the way that I'm expecting them to act or the way that I think is the right way to act. Um, One of the tools that has probably helped make it possible for me to stay friends with my friends and help me to understand you and understand my husband, Alan, and not kill you or get divorced wow keep <laughs> keep going wow <laughs> you really like, know that everything you do is wrong and I'm so perfect but now that I understand people like you which are wrong <laughs> unlike me no that's what I'm saying is like I used to think that. I, know. I, used to like, I used to think that everything I did was perfectly logical And when other people wouldn't go along with my sometimes crazy, ludicrous, grandiose planning and, uh, and wouldn't want to like give up their entire summer to try to put on Shakespeare in the park when we were 10. Most um, logical, most logical. (laughs) I thought they were just crazy or lazy. Now that I understand different personality types, it makes me understand that everyone's got their own internal logic. They have different goals. And so they have different motivators. Yeah. And they have different motivators and they're, they have different reasons for doing things the way they do them. And it's not that they're just crazy and, and illogical because they don't understand my logic. It's that they have a totally different internal system that guides them, you know? So it's like, this has helped me become much more self-aware and much more accepting of myself and others and much more patient with others. Cause I'm, I'm like going, you know, uh, I mean, to use an animal analogy, it's like, I want to go jump in the water and go swimming and someone else won't. And I'll be like, oh, that's because you're a bird. You want to go fly in the air. Of course, you don't want to go jump in the water and swim. And I'm not there going are to- There are plenty of birds that swim. And I found that triggering. 
to okay, water well, birds everywhere. You know what? Here's a good example. We're like, <laughs> I want to go swimming. Alan wants to climb a tree. Alan's like, why don't you want to climb a tree? I'm like, because I am a fish. I do not have the limbs for climbing a tree. And I'm not going to pressure you to go swim in the water because you are a monkey and monkeys don't swim in the water, I don't think. Don't they? I, I mean, you know, it's falling apart, but I get your meaning. <laughs> <laughs> I get I get what you're saying. Like everyone has different motivators. Everyone has different things that are like that come more naturally to them and feel right to them. And although I think it's important to question and to see if something's actually working for you, I also think it's very important to not consistently, continuously fight against your own nature in favor of being something that you think is better or more interesting or how you should be, which is something I've fallen prey to most of my life. And I think a lot of people do when they're younger. Um, you're like, oh, that person, that person is so cool. Like, okay, the guys who, who, who admire James Bond. Mm-hmm. James Bond is a fucking sociopath. Do you want to be a fucking sociopath? Even Daniel Craig doesn't like James Bond because he's a fucking mm. sociopath. But all those, you know, people are like, oh my God, he's so cool and suave. And it's like, yeah, because he's a sociopath and he doesn't feel emotions to the same extent that most people do. Not everyone. I thought this might be apocryphal. This might just be a, what? a rumor. Apocryphal. It's like a, a story no, that gets told. No, you made that up. That's a that's a word Alan introduced me to. I did what, not what know that it? word before. Apocryph- what? Apocryphal. It's like a um 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 a story that keeps getting told, but it may or may not be true. So so like the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> well. Uh, don't get me off topic talking about mythology now and the roots of mythology. Um, but no, I mean, uh, the, the story I heard was that the guy who wrote James Bond, Ian something, something Ian. Ian McKellen, sir, Ian McKellen. Not Ian McKellen. Anyways. I bet he, he based it on a real person. No, I heard that he... Oh his wife died and he was in therapy and the therapist said, why don't you write as a way of, um, you know, dealing with your grief. And he just wrote James Bond as this total fantasy to funnel, you know, to funnel his, um, to, to, if, we're, if we're being Freudian here to funnel his libido in a more healthy direction. God, when I'm in grief, I don't feel much libido, but everyone's different. Um, because, well, I mean, James Bond is like the ultimate male fantasy, right? He is. He totally is. He, it's a total form of escapism, wouldn't it be? And, you know, for for that guy, it's like, hey, my form of escapism is that I um, I don't have feelings. I'm just off being cool and, you know, taking Being cool, fucking, and... Uh, Killing and drinking and wearing a suit. <laughs> I guess. Exactly. I guess that sounds cool. I'd much rather be in Jane Austen land. <laughs> Jane Austen is your fantasy world. I just want to wear an Empire Waist dress. Ugh, they're not flattering to everyone. They are. They're not they flattering to me. Not. I don't like them. Uh, anyways. Anyways, I think the tool that for me has been the most helpful is the Enneagram. Can I tell you a little bit about what it is, Liz? Please do. I'm so excited. You already know a lot about it. Um, (laughs) (laughs) No, I, I actually read a book called The Spiritual Dimensions of the Enneagram. And the quickest way to explain it, I think, is that, you know, we all know about the seven deadly sins. Um, but there's a theory that there were actually nine deadly sins and there are corresponding nine virtues. And the Enneagram 
basically uh, outlines nine different personality types. And your personality type is based on what your dominant uh, tendency towards the sin is and what your dominant virtue is. So I'm just going to give an example. I'm a seven. If people who are familiar with the Enneagram are listening to us, you can probably tell I am a seven. My dominant sin is gluttony. And I want to go out and experience everything and just put a little bit of every sampler at the buffet in my mouth. (laughs) And my task in life is to overcome some of that gluttonous behavior and to kind of calm down and be content with what I actually have and bring a little bit more focus to my life, basically. So how's it going for you? (laughs) (laughs) well I'll tell you something you know quarantine has helped a little bit because usually I'd be thinking where are we going next where are we going next what are we doing next and now you can't go anywhere or you shouldn't people are still doing that yeah so being forced to stay in one place and really start to put my roots down and not being able to literally escape into something new and exciting has been very challenging, but it also allows me to appreciate what I do have and find the new and exciting in the now and wherever I am. And, um, you know, being in one town, I'm, I'm learning to appreciate uh, what it is I can get from being in one place month after month after month. And, um, yeah, it's definitely helped me tap into a slightly calmer center, I think. Uh, but it has its challenges. And I, I definitely escape into fantasy about the future and how I'm going to go somewhere else and it's going to be better um, pretty frequently. So I'm sorry, but who doesn't? I mean, there, I mean, I'd say not everyone, of course, but I feel that way. <laughs> Well, and it's interesting because you are a four on the Enneagram and um, fours, even though they have that in common, this wanting to escape into a fantasy, it's a very different, there's a very different reason for it. And the types of fantasies that you want to escape into are usually very different. So the four is usually known as the individualist and they're also known as the artists. And usually they believe that there's like some much better, more perfect world out there. And they're frequently disappointed in the world that we're in. And they're very- So accurate. (laughs) They're very jealous of people who seem to have it better. And they often want to escape more into a past that seems- more perfect, uh, seeking after like a more perfect origin. Like they're always looking for the garden of Eden and just talking about your fantasy world, your Jane Austen world, that's escaping into the past, wanting to watch Xena warrior princess that's escaping into a mythological past. So that's something you and I both have in common, except for you, you're often wanting to escape into this mythological total fantasy, total fantasy world that's based on the past. Whereas I'm often thinking about what can I do in my own life? That's going to make my future better but both of us are just escaping into different kinds of fantasy. I see. So that's actually why we're really good. Um, we're really good at talking with each other because we have very similar ideas and desires, but we come at it from very different approaches. Who wins? <laughs> it's I not win. competition. I win. It's a competition. I win. Sure. Looking over these... I'm actually wondering now if Andrew is a six, the loyalist. Um, Andrew oh, sounds no. more like him. We okay, so let's actually just read through these. How about I read one, you read one? Okay. So, like I said, there are nine different personality types, and Liz and I are going to read through all nine right now. Number one, the reformer. 
Oh, and all of this comes from the Enneagram Institute, which you can find online. And personally, I think that's my favorite Enneagram. Personally, I think the Enneagram Institute is my favorite site because I think it's the most accurate and in-depth. But I'm going to be reading from their page, the nine Enneagram type descriptions. Number one, the reformer, the rational, idealistic type, principled, purposeful, self-controlled, and perfectionistic. Number two, the helper, the caring interpersonal type, demonstrative, generous, people-pleasing, and possessive. Number three, the achiever, the success-oriented, pragmatic type, adaptive, excelling, driven, and image-conscious. Number four, the individualist, apparently me, the sensitive, withdrawn type, expressive, dramatic, self-absorbed, and temperamental. Thanks, Tricia. Number five, the investigator, the intense cerebral type, perceptive, innovative, secretive, and isolated. Number six, the loyalist, the committed, secure-oriented type, engaging, responsible, anxious, and suspicious. Number seven, the enthusiast, the busy, fun-loving type, spontaneous, versatile, distractible, and scattered. Number eight, the challenger, the powerful, dominating type, self-confident, decisive, willful, and confrontational. Number nine, the peacemaker, the easygoing, self-effacing type, receptive, reassuring, agreeable, and complacent. So So, those are the nine different types. Didn't you like diagnose me as a four and didn't didn't I not even take the, the test that they have here? Um, so let me say something about that. So for me, I don't advocate people take any of the online tests for the end. I advocate that I tell them who they are. <laughs> no, that's not <laughs> what I would say either. So like, let's put it this way. Don't, I, I don't think anyone should take the test because I think the tests are often just judging people based on their actions or what they perceive about themselves. But I think that it's really, I think it's sometimes really hard to diagnose a person or to type a person based on just their outer actions, because it's not so much what people do, but more why. Motivators. Yeah, more why they do it. So Yeah, but then what? Uh Uh-huh. So I think it's, if you want to know what type you are on the Enneagram, it's much more effective to read through the descriptions and usually you will find the description um, that explains you. Well, it also you- depends on how self-aware one might be. Because I'm sure there's times when I'd be like, yeah, that's me because that's what I want to be. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know. Yeah, that's true too. That's definitely true. You also have to have a certain level of self-awareness in order to even understand the, um, to, to, to self-type uh, under any circumstances. So, you know, maybe go ahead and read it with a friend or two. (laughs) (laughs) And a trusted friend so that your friend can be all like, no, (laughs) no, you're like, I'm the fun, loving, like amazing type. That's just like so great and awesome. And your friend's just like, you wish. For me, what's most valuable about any self-help tool is that it helps you learn how to live in a way that's more harmonious with your nature and to maybe overcome some of your negative tendencies and move towards some of your positive tendencies or your strengths, right? Um, So what I love about the Enneagram is if you get really into it and you do more than just reading the descriptions. Uh, it will show you how you tend to um, deal with things and and how I think th- there's um, for every, so like I said, for every type, there's a dominant sin and then there's a corresponding virtue. And um, 
if you're really investigating the Enneagram and doing some reading and doing some self-work, work on yourself, you'll start to see what your negative tendencies are and become more aware of them and try to avoid them and move towards greater health. And the Enneagram really shows you what greater health will look like for you, like what your particular challenge is um, and what particular thing you need to work on. So here's what's interesting about the four. Um, All of these different types are connected. So it's like you're a four, your negative tendencies make you slip back into being more like a two. The twos are the people who are called the helpers. They're the ones that are caring, demonstrative, generous, people-pleasing, and possessive. So when you're falling- God, that sounds like me. (laughs) So there you go. So like, for example, if you're feeling like I need to help everyone else, that's Mm -hmm, you mm -hmm. regressing. And Uh, taking care of everyone and making sure that they're safe. Exactly. Whereas oh, fuck. So then basically I am like one of the most unhealthiest versions of myself right now. And for well, a long time, apparently. Well, rather than, um, you know, rather than going and, and berating yourself, you know, you can also take that as just an opportunity to learn a little bit more. But yeah, like that's one of your negative tendencies is to slip back into being a two and just thinking about needing to be possessive of other people. And possessive can be, you know, it can masquerade as being helping to them, but it also can just mean that you're trying to control other people because, you know, you feel like you need to. Um, Because I keep them safe. I keep them safe. Like the time that I robbed you on the train to Italy to prove to you how easily you could be robbed. Um, remind the good people what it is that happened there. Well, you were napping on the train mm-hmm. to Italy and I noticed your purse was on your lap. And I was like, you know what? If I were an unscrupulous character such as Willoughby from Pride and Pre- I mean, sorry, from Sense and Sensibility, although he wasn't really a thief, but he was still a dick. Um, I would, I would uh, go ahead and just steal something inside your purse. And so I, uh, I did. You tried to actually, and I was still awake enough to know what you were doing. And yeah, I, but still I still got it. Away. I still, I still got it. I still got what I wanted. Sure. I'm going to let you have that one because I just don't <laughs> And then want that to reinforced me like see I got to keep everyone safe. <laughs> so what if I were to say to you like wait, wait, no, hey, no, no. let's I- go the hold on let's go the other way. So the other way for you the way that you demonstrate more health is to take on the characteristics, the positive characteristics of the one. And I know, of course, we're on a podcast, no one can see this, but if you go to the Enneagram Institute, there's this very handy chart that kind of shows you what you uh, disintegrate and integrate into. So for fours, some of their negative tendencies, if they're being very unhealthy or they're regressing, they act a lot more like twos who are possessive and controlling and, um, you know, maybe doing it out of caring because that's what the two is, the helper. But if they're integrating into their higher self, if they're overcoming some of their negative tendencies, they look a little bit more like a one. And well, that just seems unnecessarily confusing. It's like you're a four, but you don't want to be like a two. You want to be more like a one. What? That makes me just angry. Not, then why don't you just say be a one? God damn it. This is upsetting. I can totally understand where if you're not familiar with it, that it can be very upsetting. But I mean, look, there's only nine so What types. should I do? What should I do to be better, to be healthier, to be able to not be exhausted all the time. Okay. So I'm looking at the Enneagram Institute website, which again, I think is one of the most in-depth and helpful resources. And here, Liz, is your entire 
type mapped out for you. It's a page just for you, just for the fours. And here's wait, go ahead, (laughs) go ahead. Okay, Um, basic fear that they have no identity or personal significance. Basic desire to find themselves and their significance to create an identity. Enneagrams with a three wing. So, you know, you're four, you're between the three and the five. So you'll tend to be a little bit more like one or the other. Enneagrams with a three wing are like the aristocrat. And Enneagrams with a four or five wing are like the bohemian. I wonder which one you are. Well, you know, it's pretty confusing because of my love of opera, English dressage, horseback riding, and ballet. I just really couldn't tell you. (laughs) (laughs) You're definitely the aristocrat. So let me get into the arrows. That's, That's the integration and the disintegration. So when moving in the direction of disintegration, stress, when you're stressed out, you can become aloof. I'm just reading directly from the website. Aloof or suddenly become over-involved and clinging at two when they're acting like twos. However, when moving in their direction of integration growth, their envious, emotionally turbulent fours become more objective and principled, like healthy ones. So, yeah, I think the the thing about the one that you're supposed to learn from and grow towards is being more objective and principled. So it's less personal. It's less about like me and more about um, living up to a certain slightly more objective principle, like a really famous or obvious example of a one would be someone like Gandhi. Be more like Gandhi, Liz. That's all you have to do. You know, you'd be more like Gandhi. (laughs) This is like some sort of mathematician's wet dream. I'm so (laughs) sick of hearing numbers right now. I'm not in math class. Well, you can replace (laughs) all of the numbers with their their title. So you're the individualist. You need to become Mm. more like the reformer and less like the helper. So stop helping people and work on reforming the rest of the world instead. What? That is so confusing. (laughs) Well, I think I got it. Stop helping people and work on fixing and helping everyone. Yeah. I can see where that would be confusing. Yeah, just a little. Just a fucking little, you know, uh, I guess I can take the only thing I can take away from this really is uh, to try to look at things more objectively and subjectively. Uh, Really cool is that your fiance is full of that, full of that being more objective and principled. I know it's irritating. I think that if you are a healthier person and you are working towards growth, you will attract or choose to be around other people who help you grow in the direction you need to grow in. So your fiance, um, Andrew, I think is probably a nine with like a wing in the one. So he's going to help you learn to be more relaxed and objective and able to overcome or at least counterbalance some of the intense emotionality. Yeah, I could see that. (laughs) And what's actually cool about the Enneagram chart and um, the Enneagram Institute, which by the way, is not paying me for this at all. This is a purely (laughs) hashtag hashtag code happy place or whatever (laughs) (laughs) interesting what about you oh do ask me about me i've been waiting all morning i do hate that when people inquire as to my awesomeness (laughs) wait do you want to find out about our um our interaction or do you want to okay cool compatibility with sevens i already looked this up actually But I thought this one was really cool, and it kind of explains why we have a podcast together. Um, 
Enneagram four and sevens tend to be intrigued by each other. Since they are generally a case of opposites attracting, fours tend to be quiet, introverted, self-doubting, emotional, and pessimistic, while sevens tend to be outgoing, extroverted, self-confident, mental, and optimistic. Wow, I like how mine sounds like a big fucking bummer and your sounds great. <laughs> That's shitty. Fours uh, tend to be like, you know, just super depressive and like Debbie Downers. Sevens tend to be the life of the party. Hey, I didn't write this shit. Are you feeling jealous of me? Are you feeling jealous? That, oh my God. <laughs> I just got the biggest fuck you finger from my sister. Sevens help fours overcome shyness and a possible reluctance to try new experiences. Fours help sevens stay focused on what they really want and to respect and allow their feelings. Fours and sevens bring to their relationship the charge and mystery of their differences, that they think so differently, react so differently, and find pleasure in such different ways. They can therefore become intrigued by the other, finding him or her endlessly fascinating, always ready with something new and unexpected. See, Liz, it's a compliment. I find you endlessly fascinating. Like a fucking monkey in the zoo? <laughs> like that kind of fascinating? What do you not like about it? I don't like that. Um, mine just sounds like I want to go live in a hole and everyone needs to fuck right off. Well, and that's the thing that all of these, and you and I have actually been talking about this for a while because every type has their healthy quality and their unhealthy quality. Like one type is not better than the other. Some types sound more exciting. As you, oh, as you, as you sit there on your, on your throne of seven. <laughs> well, okay, let's get into the seven because you like a typical four are feeling jealous of how exciting my life looks or my personality type looks. But actually that's the thing about the seven is, and, and this is something that actually drives me a little nuts because people who only have a superficial understanding of the Enneagram tend to look at sevens and think that we're all stupid and superficial um, but that's not really an accurate understanding of the seven sevens. We got our problems too, like everyone else. And it's a matter of healthy versus unhealthy. So is it like, is it like the problems in that Rory faced the Gilmore girls? My dad wants to pay for my Ivy League education, but my grandparents do too. I have <laughs> struggles too, you guys. Um, is it like that? No, we have <laughs> real struggles. We have real genuine struggles. It's just that I think on the surface, it looks a lot more fun to be a seven, but underneath that desire for fun is actually a really deep level of despair that we're running away from. So shit just oh, got that's real. really sad. Yeah, shit's going to really get real. Sad. So I'll read mine. Type seven in brief. Sevens are extroverted, optimistic, versatile, and spontaneous, playful, high-spirited, and practical. They can also misapply their many talents, becoming overextended, scattered, and undisciplined. They constantly seek new and exciting experiences, but become can become distracted and exhausted by staying on the go. They typically have problems with impatience and impulsiveness. At their best, they focus their talents on worthwhile goals, becoming appreciative, joyous, and satisfied. Basic fear, fear of being deprived and in pain. Basic desire to be satisfied and content and to have their needs fulfilled. Um, Enneagrams with the wing and the six are the entertainer. Enneagrams with the wing and the eight are the realist. Gee, am I entertaining or am I realistic? Which one do you think I am? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not realistic. I'll, I'll say that. So it's like, you know, sevens, I think when we're at our best and sometimes even when we're at our worst, we look 
like we're the ones having the most fun because that's really what motivates us. But the problem is the world is not just full of happy bunny rainbow farms. And so whenever we get into some kind of conflict with that desire to go out and have fun, it can be really devastating. So, I mean, I think a person who's like a nine, someone like Andrew, you know, he can be told like, you have to do your taxes today. And it's just like, that's fine. I'll do that. In fact, I kind of like it. I'm just going to sit there and I'm going to control things on paper. And that makes me happy. Whereas for me, it's like, oh my God. Oh, it's like, it's like drowning in quicksand. And that's every day. Every day I have to do some kind of really boring, not fun bullshit. And if I were more unhealthy, it would mean like every time I had to do some kind of adulting thing, I would feel like I was drowning in quicksand because I'm so far away from what it is I want to be doing. Whereas a healthy seven can find the joy and the happiness in everything. Like it, if I were a more healthy person, as I become a healthier person, I can be like, hey, laundry, that's going to be the most fun thing I'm going to do today. I'm going to get to smell some nice new fabric softener and I'm going to get to, you know, I mean, like we can make, if you're a healthier seven, you can make anything feel like a lot more fun. So it's all a matter of degrees of healthiness and unhealthiness. So I'm starting to feel like Adam Green Gables was a seven. No, I think, no, I see, this is the interesting thing. See, Anne of Green Gables, I think, was definitely a four. And that's interesting, too. If you start looking online for Enneagram characters in literature, you'll find all of these different famous literary characters being typed. And sometimes they're typed very differently. So like Scarlett O'Hara from Gone with the Wind has been typed as being a three because she's an achiever. She's been typed as being a four because she has this like desire to be better than everybody else. And um, I think someone at one point, some website maybe typed her as being like an eight because she's so controlling of everyone around her. So you know, I, I don't think you can really properly type literary characters too well. Um, but that being said, I will say every website types Marianne Dashwood as being a four because she is such a four. And the reason I was able to type you, Liz, so easily is because you're such a four. It's like <laughs> not even a question. You know, <laughs> whatever, whatever. I can actually pretty much tell a four if I look at their DVD collection or their bookshelf. If they have Buffy the Vampire Slayer or Xena Warrior Princess or Charmed or any of the shows that take you away into an unrealistic fantasy, you are most likely either a four or possibly a five with the wing and the four. Or you're a nine who lives with a four. You're that's not unrealistic. Everything <laughs> about it's all metaphor. Oh, you know what? People believe in the Bible. How realistic <laughs> is that? <laughs> I'm gonna stay away from that one and go back to talking about something I know a lot about. Me. I'm sorry, but like everyone loved Harry Potter. That's true. I mean, that's so totally everyone true. just a four. Wait, what is her? What is Harry Potter and what? Are oh the, no! The don't get me. You no. no. You tell me that right now. I need to know right now. Okay. So, oh, you know what? Actually, is really fun. There are a lot of different um, websites that'll do the enneagram based on literary characters, which are really fun. So let's see. The one, the reformer, the perfectionist. That's Hermione Granger. The helper. That's Hagrid. Uh, the three, who's very success-oriented, that's Draco Malfoy. Um, the four in Harry Potter is Luna Lovegood. The five is Snape, who's very secretive and very in his head. Um, the six is Ron Weasley. Uh, oh, the sevens, the ones that are just fun-loving, are Fred and George, the twins. 
Um, I totally see that with you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the eight is Dumbledore, who's the protector. And Harry Potter is a nine who's really oh. just there to be selfless and serve his community. Wow. Isn't that just beautiful? So there's something a little bit good about all of them. Here's my other favorite one. Uh, Enneagram and Winnie the Pooh. Winnie the Pooh is a nine. Rabbit, the reformer, um, the one is Rabbit, who's the reformer. The two is Kanga, who's the helper. The three is the beaver. I'm going to skip four and seven for a second. Number five, that's the one that's the investigator and in their head, that's Owl. Number six, six are the loyalists, that's Piglet. And number eight is the elephant that I didn't even know exists. I don't know what character that is. Is that a new character? Did they update it? I have no freaking idea. Okay, but... (laughs) The the seven is very obviously the Tigger, who's very enthusiastic and jumping around and like, hoo, 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 that's what Tiggers do. The wonderful um, thing about Tiggers is Tiggers are wonderful things. They're bumps of bread, blah, blah, blah. I don't remember the lyrics. You know what, Elizabeth? You're right. I do have the best Enneagram type. I'm sorry for right? you. Oh, else oh the most fun character? The most fun character? Well, the most beloved character, I would say, is Piglet. You know who I well, haven't mentioned yet? Yep. You know what the fours are? Yeah, I can clearly see your screen. Oh, yes. So the fours are the Eeyores. <sighs> I don't think I can emphasize this too much. It's all about health. Like you can find some fours who are extremely happy. Like Luna Lovegood in Harry Potter is the four. She's just in her own world. So it depends on what world you want to create for yourself. Wait, and what was Hermione? Uh, number one, the reformer. Okay. The perfection. Because I really, I've always felt like a real akin to being half Luna, half Hermione. Because well, I'm definitely you know. not like free-spirited like Luna. I'm kind of like, let's get done to work and got to get my A's. Well, so your task would actually be to act more like Hermione and become that that um, cross between Luna and Hermione. This is I actually this is feel like interesting. Uh, I, mean, I really don't feel like I could be more like Hermione. She's pretty controlling and anal, and I really feel like I got that covered. Like <laughs> she's very the way I act about about you and mom and dad is very much how she acts about Harry and Ron. Yeah. Well, check done. So the healthiest types of fours are the ones that take all of their feelings and channel them into art. So maybe you need to be possibly doing more art to express your feelings. Oh, okay. I'll do that. (laughs) You've been, I mean, have you been doing anything with your uh your creativity lately because I know you spend a lot of time right now you're helping mom and dad a lot and you're working a lot but I mean have you done anything for your own expressive art arranged my roses yesterday I bought some roses to make myself more happy and I arranged them Mm -hmm. and then I played the piano for 20 minutes really slowly because I suck at it (laughs) (laughs) When was the last time that you sang? I mean, I guess like four days ago. Okay. Well, maybe you want to include a little bit more singing and creativity in your life to feel uh, less like your type is a bummer. (laughs) And you want to include more calendars and scheduling in your type to make your type less scattered? Yeah, I need to bring more focus to my type. So can I just finish with my type now? Yes, yes. Okay, so sevens, key motivation. Want to maintain their freedom and happiness to avoid missing out on worthwhile experiences, to keep themselves excited and occupied, and to avoid pain. You can see why being a seven is hard in the world because that's kind of unrealistic. There's pain everywhere. 
Uh, and I know that life is pain, highness. <laughs> um, okay. When moving in the direction of disintegration, stress, scattered sevens suddenly become perfectionistic and critical at one. However, when moving in their direction of integration and growth, gluttonous scattered sevens become more focused and fascinated by life like healthy fives. So what's really funny and appropriate is that Alan, the person that I married, is actually a five. So he is the thing that I'm supposed to emulate more at his healthiest. He is the thing that I am supposed to emulate more. And instead of wanting to be scattered and, oh, I don't know, move every three or four months and travel the world, Alan wants to pick one place and live in it for the rest of his life and bring some focus into his life and, um, focus his energy on one thing and one thing at a time. So this is why I say the Enneagram has definitely prevented me from getting a divorce because if I didn't know that and I didn't have a better understanding of that, I I would just be going insane. Like, why is he such a stick in the mud? But instead we go, oh no, there's a, there's a positive side to this. And this is actually something I'm supposed to learn from is how to be more focused and fascinated on one thing at a time. That really helps me. Cause like when I was working with both of you, I was like, why, why does Tricia need to do 20 things all at once? <laughs> like why, like, why can't we just do like one, maybe two things and like really focus and try to see some growth in those areas. Like, why do we have to like keep uprooting ourselves? Yeah, that is <laughs> interesting. I know some really unself-aware sevens and they just jump from one thing to the next and they never even consider the damage they do to themselves and others by constantly making something new and then breaking it apart, like relationships or homes. Wow. Um, yeah. And I'm, I'm yeah, now, you're right. Now I'm feeling better about not being a seven. Yeah. Because <laughs> they can, the dark side, the downside of them is that they can be just constantly dissatisfied and constantly mm. starting new things and then abandoning them. Um, Holly go lightly. I think, think is a typical seven Polly go like, well, like an unhealthy seven yeah and she loves oh, I could totally see that um you know she was really fun and really mesmerizing but then she also left a lot of destruction and sorrow in her wake because she'd like get in relationships and then abandon people yeah I don't although I've never seen you really do that no because I'm a lot more good self-aware and some of us are just more self-aware than others <laughs> <laughs> well I think that that's the whole goal of knowing yourself more is to become more self-aware and become more interested in um you know become more become more better well let's all try to be our healthiest Enneagram type today, I will uh, be more objective. So when someone does something that I take as a personal, a personal attack, I'll be maybe I'll, I'll think maybe, maybe they're just being themselves and not purposefully trying to irritate me with their loud music. There you go. And what will you do today, Trisha? Uh, for me, I'm going to be more focused and work on finishing some things that I've already started before I start any new projects. That's beautiful. Yes. I like that for us. And I want to say thank you, Elizabeth, for being my focus and attention wrangler, because Aww. that's exactly what I need, even if I fight against it tooth and nail. Oh, well, you're welcome. And thank you for being definitely my tigger 
<laughs> that's only that's the best way I could put that. Basically, when I feel really down and I need a helping hand. <laughs> You're my tigger. Well, and I think beautiful. you should channel some more of uh your t- your 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 into some singing and that might also make you feel better. You're right. Let's focus into our healthiest most productive selves today yeah oh you look right. so cozy ready to go out for a hike we're ready andrew's at Yay. the door all right okay love cool. you love to have then bye bye okay i love you bye bye